Hello, everybody. This is David Selby, and I want to welcome you to Diecast Movie Review. And give this movie review has given me the chance to go back and think about some things I haven't thought about in, in, in a good while, uh, to revisit some things, including uh, Quentin Collins of Dark Shadows and Richard Channing of Falcon Crest and various movies here and there and afar in a, a bit of a, of a nostalgia, nostalgic time. So thank you again for watching Diecast or listening to Rather Diecast Movie Review. You all take care out there, and let's hang in together during this, this time. All right, God bless. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Diecast Movie Review Podcast, and this is Stephen Turk. And um, today we have a special episode. I'll be interviewing... David Selby, who most of you know, was with Dark Shadows. He played Quentin Collins. Also, Falcon Crest, where he played Richard Channing. And he was in multiple different movies and TV shows. And he also does a lot of different theater work. And he's written lots and lots of books. So he's a multi-talented man. Welcome to the show, David Selby. Thank you very much, Stephen. And he's still plugging away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so whether you, you know, tune in or not, I'll be doing something somewhere. Yeah, you still have movies that um, we'll we'll get to later on that that have come out um, this past year and that are coming out this year. Um, So, I mean, you're constantly working. I mean, mean, what can you say? It's uh, your talent is still in demand. Well, uh, it's just where I, you know, come from. Work, work, work. That was my mother. And, uh, and dad you know so uh it was always uh that kind of thing you know so uh work was ingrained you know uh from the moment you get up in the morning to you you know to you hit the sack so you were uh you know you were a worker oh exactly um Anyway, yeah, but you mentioned that you mentioned those two uh television shows which believe me I was uh, uh grateful to have and uh was terrific and uh <laughs> um but i did uh, as you mentioned prior to me once uh, about being in theater and i that's how i started you know in in doing stage plays exactly and i i still do them now what led you to go into acting when you were growing up what was um was it something you saw? Was it something that your parents did? Or was it just something that just happened by happenstance? What led you to your- Oh, Stephen, I, I have no idea. I mean, I was a dreamer. You know, I, uh, first I wanted to, you know, I would, uh, I don't know, when I was a kid, junior high or high school, I was watching a couple times. I'd watch uh, a few times, not a couple times, a lot. There was a show called American Bandstand. And uh, it was Dick Clark. And I, uh, when I was young like that, I wanted to, you know, I thought, hey, I, I can, I'll, I'll sing, I'll do whatever. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> having no idea whether I could ever do that. Then when I hit, uh, hit college, uh, I was in a production of Oklahoma. First production was Brigadoon, and he got to sing a song. Now, all of you come to Sandy's booth, come over to Sandy's booth. And uh, then Oklahoma, and where I played Will Parker, and uh, so I thought, hmm, that's 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 pretty nice. I never thought about anything else 
you know, I just wanted to do, then I thought, well, I can do plays if I can't, you know, um, do whatever, sing a rock song here and there. I'll, uh, I'll do this. So I started, uh, acting. I finished out doing plays. I even did a play, uh, uh, Euripides. Uh, I think it was Oedipus Rex. I think it was, yeah. Um, and, uh, it was a, you know, a classic, uh, play. And, uh, I found that I could, I really appreciate it, or I, I don't know, I just tuned in to the seriousness or what it was about and all of that. And I thought, oh, this is terrific. So from there, uh, and I went out to Illinois because they offered, they offered us money, my wife and I, uh, to come to school out there uh, as, uh, you know, just to, we got assistantship. Uh, so we did that for a year and a half or so. And then um, I ended up at the Barter Theater, which is not too far from where you are in Maryland. It's down in Abington, Virginia. Okay. And I went down there. I went up to Chicago audition, then I got that job down in, because the school I went to was Southern Illinois University for a while. And then I went up to, uh, yeah, that was where I received, you got it, that other degree. <laughs> um, but I went up to Chicago audition, headed, back, headed down to the Barter Theater in Abington, Virginia, where I did a lot of plays including Beckett's Crap's Last Tape, uh, all just, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of different plays um, back know, then. I, no, go one ahead. Of, one of them you did, I don't know which theater it was in, was Inherit the Wind. Inherit the Wind, that's when I came back. Yeah, I was at, uh, came to do some summer stock in, uh, in Illinois. And Inherit the Wind, was uh, one of the shows and absolutely loved doing it. And uh, many just, I, I, it's a wonderful piece. In fact, today, if I could play John Henry again, I mean, I, I think I would. I think I would like to. Uh, I Years later, after that, not too many years, a few years later, I went back and did it. Um, after summer stock, I did, uh, well, no, it was a lot of years later. Ed Asner and I did a reading, uh, from Inherit the Wind for a broadcast, uh, out here in Los Angeles. And that was terrific. Um, so no, it's a, it's a wonderful piece of theater. I got, Just, I got to ask you because Ed Asner, what was it like working with Ed Asner? I mean, he's just one of the consummate actors that I've, I've, I've seen, you know, he says everything seems to come. I think what do they say? It's natural where he's saying the line and, he, and he's making it sound like it's fresh for that first time for that character. That's, that's it. He, um, Ed is, uh, terrific. He and I did several shows together for a thing called the Los Angeles, uh, um, it's a radio theater. You go in and you record plays before an, an audience. You uh, do them live. You read them. and But the audience is right there, and there are microphones, and they record them uh, for uh, for posterity for on radio. They record the shows, and then they offer those tapes to various schools throughout the country, 
this and that. And uh, that's how I, uh, you know, so Ed and I did a number of those. And he is just, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a terrific fellow. What can I say? Because yeah, that's what LA, uh, LA Theater Works. LA Theater Works. You got it. Susan Lohenberg runs that group. That was her baby. And I was in on the right there at the, at the beginning of it. And uh, we started a group that would decided, well, we'd record novels and things like that for radio. And somehow, um, and Ed was there then. And then uh, Susan moved her group over to, uh, well, we moved first out to uh, uh, a hotel in uh, out in the out in Santa Monica, and then we moved over to UCLA, uh, where she uh, still to this day does some shows out of out of there. And uh, that's you know, but Ed was always a big part of that. Um, in addition to his, you know, as well as you know, wonderful work elsewhere. So he was a theater man. Oh, and I can just imagine working with him because he's such a legend. And yeah, you know yourself too. But I mean, you're putting the two of you together. I... Nah, it, it, <laughs> yeah, he's quite special. And I know, speaking of theater works, I actually the reason I know that is because I saw you had done Judgment at Nuremberg. Judgment at Nuremberg. Wasn't that for the L.A. Theater Works? Yes. I yeah. believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was indeed. We recorded them all. In fact, uh, I think I was looking not too long ago through some of those recordings, and I have copies of the ones I did. Uh, yeah. Are those available? So we did those all, and they're out there for posterity, and you can still go online to L.A. Theater Works. And... Uh, order from their catalog, you know, they just, you know, had, my goodness, we started that group back in the mid eighties. So it's still going strong. Well, you anticipated my question. I was going to say it was available to the general public and there we go. It's uh, you know, people can, yeah. You know, oh, that, that would be something special, especially since nowadays um, audio broadcasting or, or is, is on the uptick because people with their commutes or just wanting to hear something when they're doing a walk or a jog. Um, exactly. It, it's like the old days with the old radio. It's everything's coming back again in that audio. Format. <laughs> That's right. Steven. Yep. Now, yep. eventually you ended up getting on film for TV with a little mm-hmm. show that some people know called dark shadows. How did you end up? <laughs> getting onto Dark Shadows, because it had been around for a little while before you came in. Before I came in, yeah. Uh, eventually what happened was uh, we ended up in New York because, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to act. And, uh, so we, we were at, after the Barter Theater in Abington, Virginia, uh, you know, and, after Inherit the Wind and all of that, I mean, just a lot of things. I was at the Cleveland Playhouse, and then uh, from the Cleveland Playhouse, I went right to New York. And out of New York, I started doing, you know, off-Broadway off shows and uh, right away, and then uh, did a national tour of a play, came back, and 
I ended up doing Dark Shadows because a wonderful lady, casting lady, uh, Marion Doherty. She was a uh, uh, big casting person in New York City. And uh, I walked in and she said, where have you been? <laughs> so we uh, we shared a laugh and she put me in a cab and took me up to meet the creator of Dark Shadows, Dan Curtis. He had an office on Park Avenue. So we went up there. I ended up doing a scene uh, with him for my scene partner, with my scene partner at that time. Her name is Kathy Mann, but we took a class together uh, under Wynn Hanman in New York City. And uh, Wynn was the founder of the American Place Theater. And it was the American Place Theater that I did uh, my dissertation on uh, that Wynn started. Anyway, uh, we, uh, I did, uh, I, you know, with Kathy, I did that audition. Dan Curtis said, okay, uh, come on over to the studio and we're going to look at you on camera. So Marion said, okay. So we went and I just stood there in, uh, in the studio that was on 53rd street at that time. Um, that ABC had built to house Dark Shadows. And then uh, he looked at me on camera, and the next day he called me and said I had the job. So then I went to, down to the studio for the next, I don't know, seven, eight weeks, whatever it was, and I never had a line. I never, I never <laughs> said a word. I didn't speak. <laughs> the character was silent. And I was always grateful for that because it gave me a chance to you know, think about that character and what I wanted him to be. Uh, get a relationship going with the writers and the other actors on the show, which was very special. And it is special to this day. Well, that, that's what we like to hear. I mean, it, I just find it interesting with, um, as you said, you played the ghost of Quentin for a while and you did a lot of I think a lot of great acting with just your body language, your facial expressions, getting across that. Um, he was very malevolent at that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He also had some wonderful theme music that was written for him by Bob Cobert. And Bob recently passed away. And I, Bob Cobert was uh, an absolute genius at composing. And uh, he did all of Dan Curtis's things. He later would do Winds of War, you know. But Bob was terrific. He, uh, when I would appear, you'd have the gramophone there when he was when I was the character was silent. Quentin's theme music would play, and then eventually they wrote words for me to say. Uh, and so Bob says, "Let's record this." So we did, and uh, that's. Uh, <laughs> That, song, that theme song went on to be in the top ten in the country for a good while. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was a big hit, which I'm sure was um, you know made him really happy and you happy also because you know. It's like, well, it made <laughs> me happy because yes, because it took me back to music, and I said, "Hey, I can do that right here." You know, <laughs> <laughs> so Dark Shadows was uh, my uh, you know, it was a good thing, and that. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a little something about all of that, but 
Dark Shadows was my answer to the late 60s, or say 65, 66, through 70, 71, 72, through all of that music that we were listening to back then. You know, uh, oh, yeah. all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. And um, you, the, the interesting thing with that daytime soap opera is the breakneck pace. How, how, how was it for you to, I mean, obviously, I guess, as you said, it was really good. Your character was silent for a while. So um, yes. <laughs> it gave you a chance to adjust to the, the tempo. Right. But well, the tempo, yeah, it was, you know, you shoot one episode a day, every day. Um, there was a period where I did 30 or 35, I can't remember, episodes in a row. And so every day, so you start at 8 o'clock in the morning. You go in. I would walk down from my apartment and uh, get there at 8. We would read the script again. Um, and then we'd put it up on its, on its feet, block it a little bit. Then after a couple of three hours, a couple of hours, we'd go downstairs to the studio and put it on in front of the camera. It was a three-camera show. So we'd block it there, and then after another hour or so, we'd start shooting. And we had to be finished by, I think, as I recall, I'm not sure about this, but I'm, I know we had to finish at a certain hour, and I think it was about 4 o'clock, because otherwise we lost the cameras to the West Coast news feed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was no way they, that they wanted to stay over. And, and a couple of times we did. We didn't make it. But uh, every time we finished, so the West Coast newsfeed could go through. This was for ABC Studios. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. is there any truth to the rumor that you had a favorite donut? Because they'd have donuts there. Uh, you know. um, well, I had, there was a Sara Lee banana cake, as I recall, that I made a mistake of mentioning that I liked. <laughs> so the studio was flooded with Sara Lee banana cake. <laughs> I guess there's too much Which of a we, good thing. Too much of a good thing. We donated a lot of those. I had to carry them up there. There was a, uh, I don't know, a, a group up at Lincoln Center, you know, um, for food, charity, you know. So those were all donated up there, uh, things like that. But, uh, it was a wonderful thing. It was just one of the things that the fans did, you know, for me over the years. Yeah, because I, I truly loved. Well, they definitely, they definitely loved the show. I, I was born in '68, so I came into it when it was um, in syndication, and, yeah, um, and and really enjoyed it because my eldest brother, who's eight years older, would watch it, and he was he remembers, you know, coming home and watching the yeah. show. And so he would be the one telling me, oh, yeah, you got to watch this. This is, you know, and yeah, and you always listen to your eldest brother, you know, when he's telling oh, you about yeah. something cool. <laughs> That's right. Well, you were born during the, you know, 68. That's actually when I went on and started doing Dark Shadows. Was, I think my first appearance was in the fall of 68. Um, but, you know, during that time of 68, it was a brutal time, and I had been doing theater 
right uh, straight through. You know, in 67, we were in Cleveland where we had to stay beginning of 67, I think, at 60, end of 66, 67, where we uh, we were advised not to, to go straight to our hotel or straight to the Howard Johnson Hotel and stay there because there was a riot going on. There was unrest in the streets. And then, so then later when I hit New York and I'm doing this national tour, the impossible years with a, uh, with an actor named Sam Levine. And, uh, we're playing Detroit among, among the many cities in Detroit. We were advised to please be careful because of the, the rioting that was going on. So you were born during a very, I don't know, pivotal year as far as what we're witnessing or going through today. Even uh, 68, of course, you had the assassination of uh, Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King. And uh, New York City was um, uh, hard up for money, you know, keeping the city going. It It was a difficult, difficult time. But uh, anyway. Oh, I agree with you. It was, it was difficult times during those, that period. Um, but now with Dark Shadows, your character is interesting because you start off as a ghost. Then they, yeah. And then, of course, you're human, you know, and then you're also a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, you get um, a mind transference, you know, where um, – you know, we're uh, with um, I'm trying to remember the character's name, but I think it was Fire Affair David. Fair David. Oh, and and you, and then you have to act like I guess him, and he has to Count, act like who did he play? Did he play Count the Coffee? Yes, that's the one. Count the Coffee. Yeah. He played so many roles, and he played them all well. Fair David was a wonderful, was a friend, and uh, was a fellow actor. Took me under his, you know, wing. Uh, he was with a beautiful gal back then, as I recall, Valerie French. But anyway, Fair and I later did a miniseries together. I think he played J. Edgar Hoover in a piece we did. Anyway, uh, Fair was quite terrific. Um, we did, uh, uh, you know, there were a lot of good actors. Oh, yes, you, there was. You think back to Joan Bennett um, and Joan's father, Richard, been an actor, and her sister, um, Constance, I think. Uh, but Joan never even really wanted to be an actor when she first started. And really? then, uh, yeah, she, her father was behind a lot of that. But then she did, and she was... Uh, Quite wonderful. As I recall, she even tested, going through some rough times, tested for Gone with the Wind. Um, But uh, when she lived out here in Los Angeles, uh, and she had some trouble, um, you know, with with her ex-beau and whatever, that didn't end well. He was shot, but Humphrey Bogart took up for Jane and hired her on in one of his films right away. But she decided then and there to come back to New York City. And it was because of her, because of Joan, 
that Dark Shadows was able to get off the ground. I think she, you know, she was the anchor pin um, there. I love that. So that's what we did. And she and I, we became great friends. And we were up at her house. Uh, you know, we'd go to her house for dinner uh, once, and once or twice. She was a grand gal. And then there was Grayson Hall. Well, she is, she's absolutely another, I mean, another wonderful talent. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. And Grayson, again, took me under her wing. And her husband was the writer on the show, Sam Hall. And uh, that was very special. I don't think there is a, such a thing from Grayson Hall as a bad performance. I don't think I've ever seen her do anything in, what are, in movies, TV, where yeah. she's not yeah. always on her game. Yeah. She was uh, committed and true and, uh, I don't know, a special, a special uh, person. Oh, exactly. And it's, I'm just, I own the, the coffin set of Dark Shadows, so I've watched, like, all the episodes, you know, um, over the years. And um, it's yeah. and it's just something when you can see, and people don't re- realize how special some of these actors were like Joan Bennett coming into it, you know, I, I, you know, cause I look back and it's like, Oh, let me see what their past history is. And you, and you see the body of the work and you realize yeah. how talented and, and what a, and what a, um, what, what's the word I'm saying? What, what a get it was for Dan Curtis to get these people in there. All of those. Yeah. All of those people, uh, Steven, uh, Joan Bennett had been a, she was a major Hollywood, she was a major star. I mean, out here in the old days, if you weren't invited to Joan's house on Sundays, you know, <laughs> you cherished that invitation. Uh, but Grayson Hall also was a wonderful theater actor. Um, Bayard David, uh, Humbert, uh, you know, um, Lewis. Just so many that I'm still friends with today. Chris Pennick, Jim Storm. Uh, there was Virginia Bestoff, Donna McKechnie. Uh, just so many people that came through that we got to do scenes with, you know, during those, during those days. Um, and before Quentin ever appeared on Dark Shadows, the wonderful actors that were there. Um, you know, Don Briscoe, just so many, um, you know, I'd be, remiss, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Jonathan Fred, Jonathan, John, in fact, I, not long ago, I, I went through a letter. I, that Jonathan had sent me and I sent him a letter, you know, Jonathan and I never had one disagreement during the whole time we were together. Um, and our last time together was uh, Tim Burton was doing a Dark Shadows movie with Johnny Depp. Yep. And Tim wanted, wanted uh, some of us, Catherine, uh, myself, Jonathan, Laura, to come over to London and just make an appearance. <laughs> So that's what we did because we just, uh, I've always liked Tim Burton and I'm still a fan of Johnny Depp. 
And so we did that. And that's one of the last times I saw Jonathan. Uh, you know, was during those few days in London. But he and I, uh, we recorded uh, the Dark Shadows uh, album together. I, I did the words to Quentin's theme, and he was on it. Um, so anyway, he was, uh, he was special and loved his home up in Canada. I was going to say, he, he was, it was like um, the Kansas. He was a wonderful. You know, he went to Yale Drama School. Yes. It was a wonderful Shakespearean actor. And he was going to, I think, if I, if I remember correctly, he was going to go into teaching at college. And that's when the Dark Shadows hit. And that's what led him into a role that was only supposed to be for a few weeks to years. <laughs> yes. 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 You got it. He's, uh, I, I yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, Special group. It was. And when Dark Shadows, the series ended, there were, of course, one movie was done during the series, House of Dark Shadows. Yeah. And in the movie that you were in, Night of Dark Shadows, um, was at the end of the run. Yeah. Um, any memories of Night of Dark Shadows that you want to share? Because that one, you, you know, you get to play two different types of roles, Quentin and Charles Collins. Right. And it's a ghost story. And, you, of course, you had regulars from the you got to give Dan Curtis credit he was very loyal to his actors because Laura Park oh, yeah. Kate Jackson John Carlin and that's just a few Jim Storm were um yep. Grayson Hall were all in the movie John Carlin was wasn't he special Willie Lomas <laughs> Johnny was a dear friend L were Kate everybody we did that uh, the second film because I can't remember what happened. Either Jonathan didn't want to do another one or whatever. But anyway, uh, it fell for me. So we went up to Greystone Mansion in Terrytown, New York to film it. Again, uh, everything went well, except when the film ended. And they cut it together out at MGM. Apparently, they wanted it to fit on a double bill with the first one. This is what I was told, I believe. And they needed to cut the second film, a lot of it out. And Dan felt and Sam Hall, it was awful for Sam that they had cut the heart out of the film. So a few years ago, as I understand, from uh, they went back, found some old footage, and they put it back together again. Now, whether or not it will ever see the light of day, I don't know. But they had to find the soundtrack and everything. And apparently out in somewhere in Kansas or somewhere out there, there's a vault out there where they found some old footage. Um, but they put it back together. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll I get, to see, uh, get to see it again. But I see that I have not seen that film uh, since we finished it. And I'm not even sure I've saw it then tell you the honest to god truth it was it was an interest it's an interesting film and i think as you said uh, something like 30 minutes 35 minutes were cut out of it and any movie that gets that much time cut out is going to be 
affected in, in not a positive way. Yeah, well, and I'm hoping you, you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just there's there's parts there I, w- I wish were more fleshed out, and I'm I'm really hoping that they do put that footage that they found in. And, um, and that way, you know, you can, we can incorporate it and see, oh, this is what, this is what the original vision was. And that, that would be awesome if that does happen. And and who knows? I mean, they're always finding stuff, you know, hidden gems, lost silent films. I mean, things always are popping up all the time, it seems. Yeah. Where was he? (laughs) Now you followed Night of Dark Shadows up with, um, Up the Sandbox with Barbara Streisand, where you played her husband. Yeah. What was it like working with Miss um, Miss Dryzan? Uh, Miss Dryzan is wonderful. What can I say? Uh, she was uh, special. All she wanted to do ever was to make a good film or to make a good record, sing a great song, bring her magic to it. What I called magic. She was wonderful. Is wonderful. Her heart is, uh, she's got a big heart. I can't tell you. I've always enjoyed her singing and um, and when and her comedic timing. And, of course, later on, yes. when she finally got to start directing. It was, uh, she, she is a, a wonderful talent, you know, with, with so many different things. And I know some people, as you were saying, get upset when she wants to make a good film. People are like, oh, she's too perfectionistic or whatever. It's her film. No, no, no. I don't no, think, no. I think, I think, I think it's a good thing to try to put out your best work. Yeah, absolutely not. And she's one of the most caring people around. Whether or not that, you know, who knows what goes on and, and, you know, um, but she's one of the most darling, caring people to this day. I'm a firm believer that people that want to look for bad, find bad. People that want to look for good, find good. I mean, you, it's, it's like yeah. the Pollyanna type syndrome for me. It's, yeah. You can you can look for the well, bad and got, always see it. Or you can look for the good and find yeah. good out of it. We got along great then, and uh, I was doing a play in New York when I was offered that film, so I had to leave the play to do the film. But it it worked out all right. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, I know it. I know critically it was very acclaimed, and it didn't do as well in the box office. Not it, but sometimes things just don't hit at the right moment. With yeah, the, it was a different audience. kind of film. Yep. Irving Kirshner directed it. And first, as I recall, didn't he do Empire Strikes Back? Ooh. Uh, Second Star Wars film? I don't know. I think so. I'm checking as you talk. Yes, he did the Empire Strikes Back, which a lot of people consider the best Star Wars film. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, uh, but in both instances, he had good scripts. Paul Zendel, who had written a play, um, helped out with the uh, sandbox thing. Erwin Winkler, who was a, a producing team, Bob Chardoff and Erwin Winkler, produced up the sandbox. Erwin was special. And, uh, you know, it was just a good shoot, good time. And I was blessed. I was blessed to, you know, to be a part of that because uh, I felt it was, after all said and done, it was a lovely film. And I was 
happy to be a part of that. And, and that's the reason I was bringing this film up because I think it's one of those that a lot of people don't even know about. And I want, one of the things that we try to do in our podcast is we'll pick different films depending on what we roll as genre. So it's called diecast. Yeah. And, right. um, you know, up at the sandbox is one of those things like, you know, depending on how the die rolls go, I could throw do. And then my two children watch it with me, my older two. And then we, it gets out there in the public and then hopefully people will be like, Oh, let me give this one a try. You know? And that's the whole yeah. point is to bring some right. love to right. um, things that people forget about. Yeah. Now, well, um, maybe, maybe some folks will find it again. If they hear this, Hey, <laughs> Well, that, that's the whole point. I mean, you think about it, you have um, her fans, you have, you know, your fans, and, uh, and somebody's bound to be like, oh, we got to get this film or look at it at least to see, you know, it's, that's the good thing about fans of an actor um, that they'll usually will look for their other work. And, um, and, 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 and yes, it's not Quentin Collins, but that's, that's, <laughs> it's David Selby. You're an actor, you know, you played many different roles. It's not just because you, you were not the character. You were you. No, no. Anyway, yeah. it was a good film, and uh, Gordon Willis, Gordon Willis filmed uh, shot the Godfather. Gordon Willis was our cinematographer, so that gives you a clue of the kind of people we had involved with that. Yeah, you can't. I mean, uh, I think I'm a firm believer in if you get a quality, a, a good director, a good script, good actors, good cinematography, you, you usually are going to have a winner, you know. It's... Yeah. Now, hello, uh, hello, you still there? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, should, well, that was shortly after this, but eventually, in 1982, you moved to your other big TV series, Falcon Crest, playing Richard Channing, which I think you met you you missed the first season, but you were in all the rest of the seasons. I yeah. think every single episode for those eight seasons. Yeah, yeah. The uh, eight or nine seasons I did. Uh, well, what happened back then, uh, I wasn't available. Well, they were going to do that show, you know, with Lormar Productions, Lormar under Merv Adelson and a fellow named Lee Rich. But basically, Merv was the, uh, a man there and Lee. But Merv... Uh, we had a nice relationship, and they had asked me to do a few things, and I'd been unable to because of conflicts with other my, you know, with the schedule with the work I was doing. So um, they needed help with a show called Flamingo Road, and I was in Boston doing a play, and we were going to move the play down to Stratford for a while where it had started, this was a, with a wonderful actress, Jane Alexander. Mm -hmm. And her husband was the director of it, Ed Sharon. And um, anyway, we, uh, Jane said, they, I, I got a visit from somebody and after a show we were at the Huntington Hartford up in Boston. And uh, Jane said, why don't you do it? Do it. And I'll tell Ed, you know, her husband was the director of the show. So when we got back uh, down uh, to the theater down in Connecticut, uh, I uh, 
decided, yes, I'll go to California. So that's pretty much right away I did. Um, I went to, uh, you know, we went off to uh, start that project. And that was Flamingo Road. And then out of Flamingo Road, which wasn't going to last, but uh, there's some good friends there, including Mark Harmon, I think Stella Stevens, Barbara Rush. I just so many. Um, anyway, uh, we did, uh, I got a visit one day from a couple of writers and my dear friend, Earl Hamner. And uh, years before, I'd done an episode of The Walton. And Earl came to see me on the soundstage at Warner Brothers. And so um, a couple of writers came over on the day I was leaving. We were shutting down Flamingo Road. I was going back to New York. And a couple of writers, Henry Stern and Stephen Black, came over and said, David, we're going to see you real soon. So I got back to New York. I wasn't there a week when I got a call from Earl. And uh, Earl said, hey, um, why don't you read this book? Uh, it was about, uh, oh, it was about a tycoon. What's the famous tycoon's name? Uh, oh, Nassus? No, the, this guy lived up in, uh, he has a famous house up here in LA, Los, California. He built this mansion. Oh. Um, anyway, it was that. And then I read Ted Turner's father about Ted uh, Turner. And uh, I read all of that. And uh, this was the character of Richard Channing. And Earl said, just read about these, uh, these hard, you know, these business people. So I did. The first scene, when I came to California, I flew right to Napa. Mm -hmm. And my first scene was with Dan, Jane Wyman. And uh, from that moment on, Jane and I became great friends. So I was very, you know, delighted with her help. And Earl was there at the time. And then first couple of seasons, few seasons, he wasn't with us. Earl wasn't because he had other shows. But uh, after shooting in Napa, we uh, came down to L.A. But every year we go back to Napa for about six weeks and do uh, all our location shooting for the first half of the season. Then we come down to, New to L.A. to the studios and do the interior for those shows. And then, you know, the rest of it would be down here. But every year we run up to Napa. But anyway, that's how that started. And Richard Channing, um, I was uh, blessed with uh, a great number of actors that came onto that show. And they were very, if you wanted to, a certain actor to come on or whatever, they would try to get that actor for you. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so um, I uh, Ann Archer came on to do some episodes. There was Lana Turner, and Lana's daughter was wonderful. As I loved Lana too. Now she and Jane may have had some difficulties here and there, but um, uh, the people that were on that show from um, uh, I think it was Leslie Caron, Gina Lola Brigida, um, all of the people. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, one of the parts I want to—I know you talked about Jane Wyman, another actor, Sarah Douglas. I've always, Sarah Douglas. I've always enjoyed, yeah. and she's always good at playing um, strong female characters, and sometimes they're they're evil. Or, or people yeah. portray him as evil, but she does such a good job of it. What was it like working well, with Sarah, her? Sarah and I got to have a lot of scenes together. Uh, as I recall. And, oh man, there were just so many. You know. Um, just so many fine actors. Even E.G. Marshall was on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he played my father, actually, in a couple of episodes, just right there at the beginning when I was on. And uh, Cesar Romero. You remember Cesar? Oh, everybody. I mean, what can, what can you say? To I the, call it, we called him Butch. That was his name. I called him Butch. I always remember him as the Joker from, you know, the Batman series. And uh, Yeah. But I've seen him in other work, too. And, and, and again... It, it, he does such a great Mel job. Farrar. And, oh, Mel Remember Farrar. Mel Farrar? Yes. Yeah. Cliff Robertson. Yeah, I mean, Kim you know, Novak. That the series had just about like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was Jane Jane Greer, who was a good friend of Joan Bennett. Uh anyway. Sometimes I so think, I, yeah. I, was say, I think I think you you've been so blessed to have so many of these different actors early on and later on to to work with. It's just it's just amazing. Yeah. Yes, I've been blessed. I have, and you know, it's I I'm not a Pollyanna, <laughs> but you know, I never had a. I don't know. I never had a. We never had a, there was never a disagreement. There were only hugs, hugs and kisses and lunches together, dinners together. Let's do this. Let's do that. Uh, just good, good support and respect for each other. It was, you know, and that's the way, yeah, that's the way those sets were. That, that's the amazing thing. I think, when you when you have a place where you go to work and everybody is enjoying themselves, it makes yeah. it a lot easier. But then when you're going to a place and you're just nobody wants to be there or somebody's having a tip and it's like, oh, they're ha-, and then it makes it you don't want to go and it it, it puts you in um, a negative frame of mind. So when you're already waking up and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm ready to you're in a positive frame. It makes the, the performances that much better. Yeah, yeah. 
and the directors of the show, you know, that came on. Um, anyway. Now, in the last decade, you've, you've had some interesting, I mean, you've had, you, again, for anybody who looks at David's um, IMDb page, it's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I avoid that. <laughs> which which just shows you he's he's always working because he's always in demand. I mean, if if, if you know if people didn't want him, if people didn't like him, they wouldn't be hiring him. <laughs> okay. And thankfully for us that are fans of your work, you know, it, 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 you're all over the place. Like we've mentioned a, a few things, you know, in horror. You've been in um, the drama, yeah. but you've also done voice work for Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, where you played the voice of Commissioner Gordon. Yes, yes, I loved that. I wanted to do that very much because I never, I wasn't in the movies or anything. But boy, when that came along, I jumped at it because um, that meant so much to me from my days as a, you know, when I was a kid. It just was very important. So, Doran, as a kid, you were a fan of on the Batman comic book? Oh, my God. I was a fan of Batman, Superman. You know, all of those comics. I could just imagine. I mean, I, I own both parts. So, you know, at home and stuff like that. But I didn't realize at the time until I was prepping to interview you that you were the voice of Commissioner Gordon. It was, just, <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, wait a minute, what? How did I not notice that? I'm sticking it back in. I got to be, you know, this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was it was it was one of those um, pleasant surprises when you know again you know you're looking at somebody's page and you're just like oh oh <laughs> yeah well i'm glad you enjoy it well not only did i enjoy it but um both my um all my children all three of them one of them doesn't do the podcast with us but all three of them enjoy the um animated dc work and uh, yeah yeah so and when I was telling them, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm interviewing so-and-so. And they're like, oh, what did he do? And I'm like, he was in Batman. The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> and that was, and then I was able to tell them about the other stuff. But it was just like, that was like, they're like, he was? And I'm that's like, it. oh, that's, a, yeah. you're, that, that's so cool. So, I mean, it's just, you're, you, you have <laughs> fans from all different types of age groups, from all different types of things. Yeah. I'm thankful for each and every one of them. <laughs> Now, last year, you had um, two movies that came out that are, are, are very good and totally different topics. Um, one of them, Black Fork, is, yes. a, and I'm, I'm, to give you a little background about myself, I used to work at a college campus, and I used to be the community outreach officer. And, uh-huh. and one of the things I worked with the um, that health department in our area was about yeah. the opiate addiction. Yeah, and, and people always think it's not them, but it's it's so rampant all over um, for all different age groups, all different. It doesn't matter. There, there, anybody can get addicted to opiates. And I was, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about this movie because it's a very um, powerful movie. Yeah. No, it's uh, Back Fork was produced by my dear friend Bob Kennel, who uh, is a lovely. Not just um, uh, producer, writer, director, but he produced it. Uh, and then Josh Stewart, the star of it, Josh directed. 
Uh, and it was a film, as soon as I read it, I knew I had to do. Uh, we knew that, you know, we wanted to be a part of that. So we uh, took a flight, got to Morgantown, West Virginia, where I stayed, where we stayed while we were shooting up at, up in the country, uh, up in Preston County. And uh, we filmed that. And uh, there were some, just again, terrific actors that you may not know, but we were all there together working uh, on a project that we wanted. And uh, the film, you know, wasn't made for a lot of money, but the budget was okay. So we did it. And uh, for the opioid uh, crisis, that certainly faced Southern Appalachia. Uh, it, uh, it's a lovely, well, it's a tough story, but anyway. And that's what I mean. It's a very it. powerful movie. It's, um, it's, and I appreciate movies like this because it, it really puts points home in a different way. Cause people, you, you don't, you read, but you don't have any visual referencing. And I think so many of us, when they have something visual to go with what they're reading in the newspapers and stuff like that, yeah. it, it, it makes it more, oh, now I can get the idea. Now I can understand what they're talking about. Right. But I'm glad you uh, felt that way or feel that way about it. And yeah. um, actually, I, mean, I guess for you, it was, it, was, it was like a homecoming in a sense, going back to your hometown. Yeah, going back to my hometown. That's right. Uh, we were so busy shooting the film, I never got to see anybody hardly. I did see a few friends, um, you know, during that time. After the film wrapped, we stayed around for two or three days to see some old friends. And then, uh, but I always like going back to West Virginia. In fact, that's what my presentation on Wednesday is about. I'm reading from a lot of my books and things. It's about, you know a place where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we did that film. And then what was it you mentioned in the other film? The other film um, is Loon Lake, which is oh. a, a psych, <laughs> for those that haven't seen it, it's a psychological horror film. Yeah. And you where play, I get to play, I get to play two roles. Yes, you do. Two good roles. You get to play the pastor Owen Jansen and Emery. Jan, Jan, Henry. Uh, yeah, That's so, right. So you're in the, it, it's almost like a dark shadows thing in a sense. You're in the past and the present. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I love playing the both roles. And that was shot up in Minnesota. Um, so we went up there and shot that, goodness, just a uh, little over a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. Oh, well, it's over a year ago. But um, anyway. We did that, and one of the nice things about it, um, I got to do this scene with Catherine Scott, who played the preacher's wife. Yeah. And, um, of course, Catherine, a dark shot as alum, dear friend of Dan Curtis, so 
that was lovely to get to do that with Catherine. And uh, with the director, a long time, Ansel. Ansel Farage. Um, yep. Ansel Farage, yep. So that was all special. And uh, again, it was this one, especially, was not made for very much money. But we were able to shoot it on location in Minnesota. And uh, we look forward to following it up with another film whenever this pandemic is, uh, you know, allows us to do so. And I will say, a film, Ansel was able to get a lot on the film. Uh, and and, and, and the, uh, that was, you know, as you said, it was low budget. He made it look like a much bigger production. And I think it was because it was on location, having those different yes. sites really added a lot to it. And of course, I mean, oh. you got to work with um, another young actor, Nathan Wilson. Yes, Nate. Dear Nate. Yep. In fact, uh, his parents lived up in Minnesota at that time. And uh, they were very special. Um, you know, in fact, many times I had breakfast over at his <laughs> at parents' house. <laughs> And probably a few lunches. <laughs> <laughs> Ansel told me that when um, they were filming in Minnesota, that the townspeople just embraced them, you know, and it was. Oh, yeah. The it, townspeople were terrific. Everybody was. In fact, that's why I would tell you the truth. I, I, I'd sort of love to go back there and shoot again. Oh, I, I wish you would, you know. It, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't even have to be a continuation. This story it could be another story. I just want to see. I just like seeing your work, especially if when you're working with Ansel. Now, one of the things he actually wanted me to ask you, if I remember him telling me correctly, was what was it like for you, the Dark Shadows, you know, from the TV show? As we know, Ansel, for those who listen to his interview, he's a huge fan of the Dark Shadows show and uh -huh. the movies. What was it like for you working with him, you know, uh, you know, from your perspective? You know, here you're working with these guys that watched you and now they're working, you know, now they're working as when they were young and now they're working with you. And I think Dark Shadows, if I remember correctly, was one of the main reasons Ansel became a director. Yeah. You know something, uh, Stephen? While all of that is, you know, so I never, while we were shooting, I swear, I swear, I never, ever, I don't recall until Catherine and I were doing that scene, but even Catherine and I didn't. I never thought about Ansel and Dark Shadows together. I was working for this director, with this director. I never thought, I promise you, it never even, you know. And Ansel and I to this day have never really discussed, you know, the Dark Shadows thing uh, extensively. Um, so our, our concern was, was, was making Loon Lake, totally. And uh, I still love that character of Emery. I'm going to be, I'm, when I watched the movie, um, I think it was back in January or February of this year, 
and because um, it's on Amazon Prime, for those that don't know, it's it's readily available <laughs> for anybody to watch. I knew you were the Reverend. It took me a while to figure out you were Emery also. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't it? That's what's so special to me. I love that. So, the fact that hey, for a little bit, I fooled you. <laughs> It wasn't just a little bit. It was for a good while. You really embraced that role. And I think it's because yeah. the, the, the the total, I think costuming is everything. Because I think once you got in that costume, you embodied that role. And it was totally different. Uh, one was more, the, the reverend seemed to be more straight lace, more um, proper and prim. Yeah. And Emery yeah. was the average guy you would see at a gas station, so to speak. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But um, they were both wonderful. And uh, I enjoyed it so much that Ansel knows and Nate knows that I'm on board for whatever they want to do. If, you know, but we're in a rough time now. Well, yes, we are. I know um, that's the, that's the, the, everything is on hold and we got to solve issues that are going on nowadays. And for those that don't know, um, we're recording this on June 15th, 2020. So that way people have an idea when they're listening, like what, what we're talking about, you can, everybody can figure out. Um, right. And my thing is, is always been, if somebody spills milk, you got to clean it up, solve it, and then worry about the blue. Yeah. But let's solve this issue. Let's get these things taken care of and let's yeah. move on as a country. I agree with you completely. And I couldn't, I couldn't uh, wind up our little conversation here, which I'm more than willing and happy to do another one at some point. But I agree with you completely. Um, You know, something I, when you just said that, it reminds me, uh, Stephen, of what you just said. And I'm going to, if you'll forgive me or uh, whatever, that's not quite the word, but if you'll, um, hold in there. I want to read you something. Oh, go for and it. This is, this is from Lincoln's second inaugural speech. I'm even going to read it in Lincoln's voice, oh, which you, was high pitched, oh, a high pitched voice. This is from uh, the original manuscript of the second inaugural. Uh, anyway, of Lincoln's, he wrote it. And I'm only going to read to you the last paragraph. Okay. Here we go. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Thank you for <laughs> allowing me to do that. Oh, you can indulge all you want. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop your microphone. <laughs> anyway. But I want to thank, um, I want to thank you for all the roles that you've done and bringing to life a lot of these characters 
um, like Lincoln, like Quentin, like Richard, like Bill. Um, I know, I know you did one horror film. You had a guy called Fletcher. I mean, you did so many different ones. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and of course, Commissioner Gordon, I can't forget Commissioner Gordon, but, no. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it brings joy or it brings issues out there. Like I said, people, you know, need to know and, you know, but without people in, um, inhabiting that character and bringing it to life in a good way, in a, in a proper way or whatever way you want to look at it. Um, you did that. You did an ex- excellent job and your work, you know, obviously is going to live on for a long time. And I'm, I can't wait to interview you again for the stuff you have coming out later, especially if you have more work with Ansel and we can always do, um, you know, an interview for that if you wish, but it's just, thank yeah. you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Steven. And uh, yeah, we'll talk again about things down the road. If you want to. Um, anyway, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure too. Uh, so I'll, Take care of yourself, and we'll talk later.